1 Corinthians 12, beginning in verse 8. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that every good and perfect gift is from you. And we acknowledge how brilliant you are in giving the gifts that you give. We can't think of anything that we are lacking related to gifts. You thought of everything. And Lord, we want to be a New Testament church. We want to be a biblical church. I pray, Father, that each one of us, help us, Lord, to seek you related to our spiritual gifts. Help us to grow in them and to walk in them and to function in them. Father, we, we haven't truly seen what it's supposed to look like with everybody using their gifts yet. But Lord, that's our prayer, that you would work in us so that we would be a biblical church in, in, the, in its full expression. So help us to be open to the things of you. Help us, Lord, to not be critical of certain gifts or prejudge certain gifts. Help us to be open to whatever you want. Help us to not be ignorant in spiritual gifts. Help us, Lord, to desire spiritual gifts. And Lord, we just pray, Lord, that this body would glorify you in every way. We commit it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Well, we looked at the gift of tongues, the gift of interpretation of tongues. We've looked at the word of wisdom, and we've looked at the word of knowledge. And really enjoyed going through these gifts. If you have missed some, I would encourage you to grab the CDs in the back or download them from online. Um, There's a lot of people downloading messages from our website, and that's a blessing that the ministry of the word is going forth all over the world. So this morning, I want to look at the gifts of faith, healings, miracles, discerning of spirits, and prophecy. And so for us to be looking at these gifts, remember, the, the predominant thing that he wants us to know about them is that they're, very, they're just critically, critically important for the church to function how God intends it to function, that we flow in our gifts. Each one of us is given at, given at least one spiritual gift, and it's incumbent upon us to know what that gift is. It's also important that we don't shut ourselves off to being open to other gifts that we, not, we uh, may not be aware of yet. Just a month or two ago, one of, the, um, one of the leaders discovered that they had a certain gift that they didn't know that they had. It was a supernatural gift, and they're learning about that gift more and more. So it doesn't matter how long you've walked with the Lord, you can discover that you have certain gifts. So I would encourage you to be, even if you know what at least, you know, one of your gifts is, to not shut yourself off to be open to other gifts and to seek the Lord related to those gifts. Remember that there are two pillars for the church to function how it was intended to function. There's two pillars of disciple making that has to happen in a church, in any church. And it's laid out in Ephesians 4. And I just really want us to be crystal clear what the purpose of the church is. It's to make disciples it's not supremely as to be, it wasn't intended to be supremely a vehicle for evangelism. All through the book of Acts, you see the gospel shared outside the church. There's not one recorded conversion in a Christian church in the book of Acts that I'm aware of. So the, God's plan is, is that we receive Christ outside the church. I mean, people do get saved in the church. We know that. But, but predominantly, they get saved out there through us leading them to Christ. That's why we need to understand how to preach the gospel, be able to proclaim that, be willing to proclaim that, to love people's eternal destiny more than what, we, what they think about us. Let's think about that for a moment. Let that settle in. I'll say it again. To care more about people's eternal destiny than what we think they think about us, their opinion of us. The fear of man is a snare. Paul said in Galatians chapter 1, am I still trying to please men? If I'm still trying to please men, I wouldn't be a servant of Christ. 
You can't be a man pleaser and a servant of God being used by him at the same time. It's impossible. So he intends us to share the gospel out there and then bring them in here to be discipled. And I said there's two pillars that, that make up that, uh, that how, how the church is supposed to function in that way. The first is leadership equipping the saints for the work of ministry. And the second is that every part does its share in the body, using their spiritual gifts to build up the body in love. And so you have churches that are all equipping and no spiritual gifts and no... Uh, people being used by the Lord in those gifts and so forth. And it, it isn't what God intends it to be. But then you have the other extreme where all the gifts are flowing all over the place. But there's no equipping of the saints, no getting grounded in the word. That isn't the disciple-making place that God intends either. So our, our intent here is to equip the saints for the work of ministry and having the gifts of the Spirit in operation, not just you know, during the service or before and after the service, but whenever we engage the rest of the body of Christ. Anytime you're around another believer, you need to be open to using a spiritual gift. doesn't matter if you're in Rayleigh's, in the produce aisle. God may give you a prophecy when you're next to the cucumbers, you know. You're thumping watermelons, and he gives you a word of knowledge about another believer that's there. I mean, anywhere. He's not limited to location. So we need to be open to wherever we wherever we are, for the gifts of the Spirit to, to, to operate. And then it'll be the disciple-making place that God intends it to be. And I'll be repeating that over and over again, because I want it to be crystal clear in our minds and in our hearts. So let's start with the gift of faith. He says the, in verse 9, by, to another faith by the same Spirit. And over and over again in these verses, we've seen him say, the two words together, same spirit, same spirit, same spirit, same spirit. He's the origin. God's the origin of these gifts. And so we need to appreciate those gifts as coming from God, the Holy Spirit himself. But what is the gift of faith? Well, first of all, let's start with a definition of faith. There's all kinds of wacky, crazy definitions of faith in the body of Christ. And even so far as some people believe that it's, 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 it's like uh, electricity, like it's physical, that it, it's conduct, conductible like, like electricity is, and it's some kind of force that we can, can capture, kind of like uh, a solar panel captures sun, the, the, the rays of the sun, and then the, those solar panels become a repository for that energy. And that somehow we have, we have, we're, we're like these receptacles that receive this force of faith. And then they, it, this force of faith stays in us for a time. And then it kind of goes out of our life slowly or, or all at once or whatever. And then we need to get it again. And it's some kind of force. That's false. Faith is simply trust. That's what faith is. It's trust. It's a heart condition. It's trust. I can trust the Lord uh, at any time. So we're all supposed to have faith. So, so that's the definition of faith. It's literally trust. And so the gift of faith is a supernatural ability that some people have in the body of Christ to encourage others to trust God. It's as simple as that. And it's very important. Again, all of the gifts, as is true with all the gifts, it, the purpose of the gifts is supremely for other people's benefit through my life, not supremely for my benefit. I am blessed. We are blessed when we function the gifts. It is a blessing to be used by God. It truly is. But, but that's the secondary or it's indirect uh, implication of us using that gift. The true purpose is for somebody else. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard someone speak of the gift of faith in the context of them receiving it for themselves. Excuse me. Um, they'll say, I was doubting God and all of a sudden he gave me a gift of faith and I trusted him for this certain situation. God can do that. Obviously, um, we see that in the scriptures. You remember in Luke chapter 8, the woman had an issue of blood and she had spent all her money just about on doctors and she had actually not getting be- got better, but actually she got worse the more money she spent. It, things got worse. Sounds kind of like the government. You know, the more money government spends, seems like the worse things get. But she, she had this issue, <clears throat> and God had given her the ability, she had given her this faith to trust him. And went and when Jesus was passing by, reached out, grabbed the hem of his garment, she trusted God. And, and Jesus said, who touched me? 
And he said, I, I sensed virtue leave me. And, and, and so she was afraid. But he wasn't there to scold her. He was there to acknowledge her faith and so forth. So God can do that. Jesus talked about that we have, that our faith is, is very powerful, even in the smallest of amounts. He said, if you have faith that's the size of a, a mustard seed, we can tell this mountain be thrown into the sea. And so we're told that God has given each of us a measure of faith. And so we can trust God in a greater way any given time. And God can give us the capacity to trust him and so forth. That's great. There's examples of that. But the gift of faith is for someone else's benefit. Again, we have to look at the context. All spiritual gifts are supremely for someone else's benefit when I use them to build up the body of Christ. So that means that God is going to give me uh, the capacity to encourage somebody to trust God. And I have, if I have that gift, then he's going to give me a certain capacity that's supernatural the right words to say, the right way of, of, of uh, expressing it to somebody, to, the, the ability to know the right time to share that with someone else. So I'll give you an example. Let's say somebody is, is doubting God's ability to provide for them. And, you're, and so you're, you're listening to someone share that need. And again, just like any of the gifts, you can't just turn it on anytime you want. And by the way, if you have the gift of faith, it doesn't mean that you're going to perfectly believe the Lord all the time for yourself. This is, this is of the Spirit. He gives you that supernatural ability. So you can't, any time that you want to encourage someone in their faith, of course we're supposed to do that. But I'm talking about the supernatural ability to do that so that they trust God in a certain situation and they believe Him and He does a great work in their life. We just can't turn that off and on any time that we want if we have that gift. So maybe they're sitting there and you're listening to them. You have the gift of faith, and you know that. God's shown you that. And they're sharing how they have been able to have children, let's say. And God's told them that they need to trust him, but they're having problems trusting him for that. And as you're listening, God quickens your spirit. He actively works into, in your heart and in your mind and shows you that you're supposed to encourage them to trust him. And, he, and, he, and you're like, I don't know, Lord, am I supposed to say it? Am I not supposed to say it? And you're, there's usually that wrestling in your heart and it just keeps building and building because you don't want to make a mistake, obviously. You want to know that it was from him. And so you wait and you pray in your heart as they're sharing and he just keeps having it rise up and rise up in your heart. And you know that you're supposed to encourage them to trust him. And I'm not saying that you would necessarily be led to, to say that you're going to have a baby if you trust him uh, in this particular instance. But he may say that to you to tell them. You better be right, obviously. But that voice, learning that voice and taking your time and little baby steps of growth and so forth, you get more confident in your ability to hear that voice. So he tells you that and he shares with you to, to encourage them that they can trust him no matter what. And so you, you, you say that to them and you express that to them and it means everything to them that you brought that up. It's just the perfect time, the perfect word, the way that you said it. It's just supernatural. That's the gift of faith in action. And it's, it's so beautiful. Many times it's related to physical healing. And someone maybe has been afflicted for a while and they've been sick or so forth. And you're speaking with them and God lays it on your heart to encourage them to believe him. And, and obviously when we say that to people, we're not guaranteeing that, it, that they're going to be healed. But God may give you that information that if you trust in him right now, he's going to heal you. I mean, there's a one point where Paul saw the, saw the man and saw somehow, supernaturally, somehow saw that he had the faith to be healed. And he said, rise up, and, and, and he did. He got, he got healed there with physical healing. So God knows the body of Christ is lacking faith sometimes. I mean, that's pretty obvious that we're lacking faith sometimes. And so he specifically gives this gift to some people in the body of Christ to help us trust him. It's very similar to the, to the gift of exhortation, which we'll get into a another time because a gift of exhortation works a little bit differently but it's still in being involved in someone's life and hearing their situation having God quicken your spirit and and move on your heart to say certain things and so forth and it's just beautiful when it happens anybody know just you can just be bold right here we're a family this is a big living room you know that you have the gift of faith now you shouldn't have a problem raising your hand because you should 
You know, you should trust the Lord with that. And you have, no, I'm just, but anyone here believe that they have the gift of faith? One, two, three. Awesome. That's great. So I believe there's a lot more people in the, in the body of Christ that have this gift that don't know it. And let me describe a person with this gift. And you may have some of these or all of them or, you know, maybe it might just spark you to just seek the Lord related to it. It's such an important gift. People with the gift of faith usually love watching people take ventures of, of faith. That excites them. They love to see, like the Calvary Magazine, they see all these people step, stepping out in faith, leaving everything to go answer the call to a specific uh, land, you know, to be missionaries or some great thing for God. And they read that and it just blesses them to see people take these massive ventures in faith. It just completely excites them. They also love the promises of God. They find themselves reading the promises of God or when they read the promises of God, it, it, it arrests their heart or it grabs their heart and they're drawn to the accounts where Jesus venerates or, or lifts up or talks greatly about faith in the Gospels. As Jesus, we've seen the abuse of teaching on faith. We, we should not throw the baby out with the bathwater. <laughs> he tells us to have faith. He honors our faith. Now, we shouldn't have faith in our faith. That's a mistake. We should have faith in God. But he tells us to have faith, to trust him. There's nothing we can't trust him for. And he loves people that honor him with their faith. And just like all the gifts Usually, almost all the gifts, all of us are supposed to function in, in, in these things at some level. But the people with the gift of these things really focus in on them and, are, and excel in them. Another characteristic of someone with the gift of faith is that they're baffled by unbelief. It just doesn't make sense to them. You know, their own unbelief at times doesn't baffle them for some reason. And then the person with the gift of exhortation comes in and helps them. <laughs> And the gift of, person with the gift of mercy is coming in and helping that situation out, um, you know. But it's important for us to understand that unbelief is common in all of us at times. In different situations, we're going to be struggling to believe. And God leads us through this, this beautiful Christian walk where he builds upon experiences. I remember when my brother-in-law and my sister were on the mission field in Europe for 10 years. And I would hear their stories. I just could not believe. And I was a new believer, so it was really fresh for me just to hear about these stories. And I just couldn't believe. The things that he was going through and she, my sister were going through, I mean, I just couldn't imagine them going through those things. But see, that wasn't their first rodeo, so to speak. They'd been in ministry for quite a long time before that. They'd gone through things. God had built upon things and experiences. And that's what he does in all of our lives. He takes us through difficult times and we trust him and we see his faithfulness and then he stretches us and he puts us in a little bit more difficult situation and we have the testimony of his faithfulness in the thing that's a little bit lesser and then we grow in that. And, he, and so the things that you're going through now are pre, uh, preparatory for the things that he's going to have you go through in the future so that you can, you can go through those things in a way that honors him. So... We all have unbelief at times, but people with the gift of faith, they're constantly aware of, in their own life and in other people's lives, unbelief, and it, and it, and it hurts their heart to see it. Not in a judgmental way. It just, they just know that it's not the right answer, and it's incongruent to the, the mature believer's life. So God uses that in their lives to minister to other people with their gift of faith. And they end up, there's another characteristic, they end up praying for people to have more faith regularly. They find themselves praying for other people to have that faith. So how do you know if you have this gift? Well, if those characteristics kind of are true for you, or God just tells you, I have this gift for you. But what does it mean to grow in that gift? That's another thing with all these gifts. God wants us to continue to grow in these gifts. I pray for I, the leaders I've asked many times to pray for me that I would grow in my teaching gift. And they're very quick to say amen. No, they're not. Just kidding. But, you know, we all, we're all called to grow. You know, the first time I ever taught, I think I shared with this before, I was shaking. 
I was nauseous. I thought I was going to throw up. I mean, that's not good when you're teaching a Sunday school class and you hold on a second and you pull out a bag and, you know, I mean, I didn't want to do that. I, I mean, that's, that's not, that kind of distracts from the message, you know. And I was stuttering so badly and I just feel so sorry for the people that were there. My wife was there. Um, you can ask her how bad it was. Um, but it, it, it's like when you have that gift, you want to encourage people in their, in their, trust in the Lord. And so God will give you opportunities to do that. And, and so generally, all of us are supposed to encourage one another in having faith in, in the Lord and so forth. But there's a time where you really sense that you have that gift and that he wants to use you and he will help you grow in that gift. And the cost of you not walking in that gift is the cost of people not trusting God in their lives. Think about the implications of that. It's huge. That's why he gave us this gift. It's so valuable. If you have that gift, I really hope that you don't believe that it's not valuable because it's priceless. And I encourage you, I beyond encourage you, I exhort you, use that gift. Help people trust in God. The next, the gifts of healings. That's a very powerful gift. And so what's the definition of that? It's when God uses a person to pray for someone else, and they get healed. I know that may seem obvious, but, it, but it's a very important gift. Some people say, oh, no, God doesn't give that gift today because people will be lifted up in pride. Well, what about the disciples? What about the apostles? They were used that way. They ripped their clothes. We're men just like you are. Don't think that we're gods. I mean, there's, God has a solution to pride. It's his, it's his, he has a very good way to humble us and keep us right where we're supposed to be. Some people look at the abuse on television and all the wacky, crazy, man-made things that they see, unfortunately, in the name of the Spirit, and they say, no, God doesn't heal today. And some of it, sometimes people have asked me, you know, how come we don't see these things today? Well, first of all, what we see doesn't make anything true or not true based on our exposure to it, right, first of all. But, I, I mean, there was a point in time where we're told in the Gospels where Jesus could not do any mighty works in Nazareth because of their unbelief. He was self-limiting. It wasn't like he was out of control and, oh, no, their unbelief is like, it's my kryptonite. And, you know, I can't heal anybody. Oh, no, I'm, I'm shackled and all of that. What do I do? No, he chose to be self-limiting because they weren't honoring him with their faith. That was where he was from. So... I believe a lot of it has to do with our self-dependence in our nation. And I also believe that God does heal many times, and we don't even know that he did it. We don't know the things that God did for us uh, and how he protected us, how he worked in our lives. Sometimes we're not even aware of those things. But I hear testimonies of people getting healed. I hear testimonies of that. In, uh, I've been in Russia where I've seen miracles in the sense of healings. I've seen those things. I mean, K.P. O'Hannon of Gospel for Asia, I've talked to him. I've talked to his son, Danny. They, they regularly see miracles in, the, in Asia and so forth. So God does it today, and I know he wants to do more of it, but sometimes we're, we're limited by our unbelief. Now notice in verse 9, the words gift and healing are plural. It literally says gifts of healings <clears throat> there. And some people say that the plurality there indicates that the gift of healing is when I receive a healing personally. And there's people that I respect that believe that. The reason why I don't believe that, personally, is because, again, in context, all of these gifts are supremely for others, not supremely for myself. And you're, the whole purpose in the body is to build the rest of the body up. And so I believe that he's talking about reoccurring instances or a pattern. The plurality speaks of a pattern that you are used by God to receive um, to, to pray for people and have many healings happen. It's not just a one-time thing. It's many times you see people healed. And so we see the apostles with this gift. Peter in Acts chapter 3 there, and he, the lame man gets healed and so forth. I believe that's a gift. He, was, he has, had the gift of healing. And some people try to separate out, well, it's the apostles, and they had this superpower, and, and there were super apostles. And if you're an apostle from back then, you had this, you know, you're like a superhero. Hero. You know, there at Jerusalem, there's the Hall of Justice, like the super friends, you know. And, and you had this, back of the Hall of Justice, the apostles are there, and, and they're like superheroes, and they can do super things. And, and, but they were just men, just like we are. They're just people. And, and God doesn't need a certain type of person to, to use 
to be used. He, he uses any vessel. Paul was used in this way. Again, like when he, when he told that person to rise up and walk, and he rose up and walked. <clears throat> and it's, it, it's beautiful when you see it happen. Many times we see in the New Testament, we see the apostles used. And again, I don't believe it was unique to them. And I believe all believers can walk in the supernatural. Remember Peter, when he's explaining what, what was going on in, the, in Acts chapter 2 with them receiving the baptism with the Holy Spirit, he quotes Joel chapter 2. And he quotes that and he says, this is that, or this is that which the, the prophet Joel spoke, talking about that God's spirit will be poured out in the last days on all flesh. Also, Jesus said in Mark 16, verse 17, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And then the day before the Lord Jesus was, was crucified, he said to the disciples in John 14, he said, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. <clears throat> so God can use any one of us and wants to use us at times to do the supernatural, to perform the supernatural at any time. But it becomes more of a regular pattern, if that's the case, in terms of praying for people and they get healed, then we're talking about a gift of the Spirit now. So um, that's very important for us to see. Now, how do you know if you have that gift? Let me give you some, some characteristics that might, you might experience, that you have compassion for the sick that's maybe more than what you uh, believe to be normal. That, it, that when you see people suffering physically, it, you have a burden for them. And we should all have a burden for them. But there's a, a supernatural uh, preoccupation with the person that has gifts of healings that has with the, the sick to pray for them. And it starts with that compassion. Obviously, God wants to use his, his heart that he gives us to have compassion on those that are hurting. <clears throat> And so I think it's important for us to understand if you have that gift, God wants you to step out in faith. It doesn't mean that he's going to tell you to say to someone in a wheelchair, rise up and, and, and walk. Not necessarily, but he may. And I think that we take baby steps and we pray for people and, you know, there may become a point where he tells us to do that. I remember Pastor Chuck tells a story in uh, Living Water about this, <laughs> these people that brought up uh, their, I think it was their father in a wheelchair and they, after the service, and he assumed that they were bringing him forward to be prayed for, for to, to rise up out of uh, the wheelchair, to be able to be healed, to walk. And he was praying for this man, <clears throat> and he sensed the Lord tell him, uh, told, uh, t- uh, revealed to him that he wanted to heal him and told Pastor Chuck to tell him to rise up and walk. And he was like, oh boy, you <laughs> know, um, Okay, you know, is this you, Lord? I mean, that's the ultimate time we'd be praying that. Um, you wouldn't be praying, is this for me? Because we're already standing or whatever. But, uh, you know, we're praying and so forth. And then he just said, okay, rise up and walk. And the man rose up and walked. He hadn't walked for like five years. Started running up and down the aisle and all of that. And everyone was rejoiced. And, and the family just said, we just brought him up for prayer for a cold. <laughs> and, you know, and so... God, I mean, it's just like how the Lord would work, you know. He just gives us a completely different thing uh, to pray for, but he honors faith. And, and he had something else in mind that the family didn't. And that's important for us to know if you have the, gifts, uh, you have the gift of healing or gifts of healings, is that sometimes God's going to work in a way different than what you would expect. It's true with all of the gifts. Sometimes we start down this road of ministering to somebody one of these gifts, and then it turns into something greater that we didn't even wasn't even thinking it. We have to be prepared for that. That's one of the things I love about the Lord. He's not predictable. And when we're yielded to him, he moves in ways that are far beyond what we can imagine. So it's not, you know, the Christian life is anything but boring or predictable if we're being led by the, by the Spirit. Another uh, way that you can know that you have this gift is you see a pattern of when you pray for people, they recover and they get well. 
And it's a pattern. It's not something that happens once in a great, great, great while and you're praying for people regularly. It's people are getting healed on a regular basis. Not every time. Paul couldn't heal everybody. He tells Timothy to take a little wine for his stomach issues. Uh, I think Epaphroditus was left in a certain city on, and because he couldn't come as he was, he was very, very ill. There are times, and Paul couldn't heal himself. He, he uh, had this thorn in the flesh that was a physical infirmity and he asked three times and the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. So just because you're used, again, you can't turn this stuff on and off. It has to, you have to be led by the Spirit. But don't be afraid to ask people, hey, can I pray for you? I mean, that's true for all of us, whether we sense we have that gift or not. We need to start praying for people to be whole and to be healed. And ultimately, everybody's going to get healed when we get our new bodies that know the Lord. What's the cost if we don't walk in this gift? People don't get healed, but God intends them to be healed. I know he has grace for us to, to not be healed if, we, if he chooses not to do it, but he also may want to heal somebody in our lives. So don't be afraid. If you sense this, this prompting to pray for somebody, first of all, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have the gift of healing. Number two, it doesn't necessarily mean that God's going to heal them. God may want to minister to them and heal them in ways that you're not aware of. You may think you're praying for one thing, but God has a completely different plan and has maybe he will heal the thing that you think that you're praying for, but maybe not now. But there's another thing that he wants to pray for and have that healing manifest right away. Now you're praying for someone to be healed of, I don't know, cerebral palsy or something. And God, they also have migraines and God heals their migraines first. And he doesn't heal their cerebral palsy at the moment. I don't know how all that works. I don't have that gift, at least that I know of but I'm going to be seeking him related to it. But the cost is people don't get made whole. Now he lists working of miracles there in verse 9. You can see him to whether one working of miracles. What is the gift of working miracles? A miracle is, by definition, it's interrupting the laws of nature. And we use that term a lot. Oh, it's a miracle that this team won, you know, or... And for some teams, and I'm not going to mention names, for some teams, you know, that might, it might be, well, you know, maybe a miracle. I don't know. Probably not, no. But there's, you know, examples in Scripture where Peter walks on the water for a little bit. Oil is multiplied in a, in, in a widow's jar. Um, someone's raised from the dead. You know, there's, there's different examples where the miraculous can happen. The Lord Jesus calming the storm. To my knowledge, all the miracles that Jesus did were, were done in the Old and New Testament except calming the storm and, and, and except raising yourself from the dead. People were raised from the dead. Other people uh, prayed and leprosy went away, um, multiplied food. All these things that were done by other people as well. And so it is true that he wants to use us. And so we can't say, I don't see miracles happening to judge whether or not they're happening because we may, they may be happening and we don't see it. There's people, so many testimonies of money not running out. You know, you got to the end of the month and um, it was in the middle of the month when that happened. And God just keeps letting things last and uh, keeps providing and so forth. There's all kinds of different ways that miracles can happen. And I know that it doesn't, we don't see it as much. Again, it might be directly related to the fact that we have unbelief and self-dependence and all these things. So we have to be open. Maybe the Lord might lead you, if you have that gift, to pray for a certain situation and, it, and something happens in that situation that is truly miraculous. And that, then you would have that, this gift. And so I believe the cost of it is that we don't see the miraculous in our midst. We don't see people blessed. A, a lot of times it has to do with pe- pe- people preaching the gospel. A lot of times that these miracles happen to get people's attention, these signs and wonders. So what are the signs and wonders? Wonders make you wonder. Signs point to something. A sign that we see out on the road points somewhere, communicates something. So, so a lot of times he does these signs and wonders to open up the door or, or soften the, the hearts of unbelievers that are there to receive the gospel. So a lot of times someone that is an evangelist, um, a lot of times along with that we see this in scripture where they're used by the lord to do miracles and so forth and it's it's not just to wow people and to draw crowds it's to open people's heart for to hear the gospel that's that's a lot of what we see in asia with our um, gospel for asia missionaries 
God does a miracle. He heals someone in the family, and the whole tribe comes to know Christ. And a church is built, like, two months later. You know, I mean, it just happens. So if you love to share your faith, and you, you may believe that you're an evangelist and so forth, be open to God using uh, working of miracles through your life to open doors for the gospel. So what about prophecy? Prophecy. Ooh, sometimes we get really weird with, ooh, prophecy. And it's very practical. Prophecy, the gift of prophecy is a very practical and, and people, of course, have a healthy fear of that gift because they don't want to speak for God when, when, they're, when God's not speaking. And that's a very healthy thing is to realize that I sh- God does not. I mean, you read Jeremiah and what he had to say about people that claimed to speak for, for him that didn't. It's not good. But again, baby steps, baby steps. We start learning. So what is it? Prophecy is communicating a message from God to somebody. People ask, well, what, what about God's word? Isn't that what that's for? <laughs> yes. That's what, that's what God's word is for, to communicate to us. That's the main way that God communicates to us. So a prophecy is communicating a message from God that is in concert with or coupled with the truth that's already found in Scripture. And so that's important for us to see. Turn over quickly to 1 Corinthians 14, a couple chapters. And look at verse 3. 1 Corinthians verse 3. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. That's important for us to know. That's a safeguard for us. A lot of people claim to prophesy, but they're not these three things. They're outside of that. And a lot of times it comes in the form of like condemnation. Oh, my children, how long will I put up with you and how horrible you are and all this stuff? And nope, that's not, in, that's not edification. That's not building up. That's not exhortation. That's not comfort. It's encouraging. It's encouragement. It's, it builds people up. It, it's not condemning at all. One of the things that new believers have to learn the difference of is, is conviction versus condemnation. The difference. Conviction shows us that we're wrong, but it's encouraging that we can obey the Lord and we need to turn to him for that. Condemnation is, drives us away from God saying, How, look at what you did. You don't even deserve anything related to God and you need to get away from him. You know, that's condemnation. So prophecy is never going to be a message from God to a person if it's being condemning or it's, or it's being harsh or any of those things. It's going to build up. It's going to comfort. It's, it's going to be good news. Whatever that message is, it's going to be good news. It may expose some things, but it's always going to be in a way that provides hope and encouragement and, and grace. Very important. Now look down at verse 29 in 1 Corinthians 14. When we're gathered in, in, around other believers, whether it be a home group or on church on Sunday, after the service or before the service, or we're around other believers, and we're, or a time where we're specifically waiting upon the Lord and having like a believers meeting, or sometimes people call an afterglow where we're waiting on him, sometimes God leads people to prophesy to a group. And he gives the rules for it in, in uh, these verses here. It says in verse 29, let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. Wait a minute, I thought Jesus said, judge not. Unbelievers love that verse. That's the only verse they know. Judge not, let you be judged. That's so funny. Bible scholars there, right before your eyes. We are supposed to judge, but we're not supposed to judge people's hearts. But we are supposed to test what people say by the word of God. And so people, just because they claim to be prophets and they have the fancy name or title before their name, that's always a sign of danger. People are, call me Prophet Pat. You know, I must insist that you call me apostle or a prophet, Pat. Um, you need to be careful with that, with that. And then he says, so, so let two or three prophets speak. Not, not, not 40, not 14, not 12. There's only so much we can take. And that's, I mean that in a good way. When God reveals something to us and, and someone prophesies, there's only so much that we can absorb. And he knows that. And that's why he says in verse 30, but if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent. Notice the word revealed there. If that's what prophecy is. God is revealing something 
from his heart or his word to another person. Again, this isn't supremely for us. None of these gifts are supremely for us. It's supremely for other people through us. So as we say something, we're going to be encouraging them. We're going to be um, encouraging them in some way with his word. And, and, and if it's in a public area where we're all together and we're waiting upon him, there's going to be two or three there. And, and so if, if, if one God has something revealed to him, and they need to wait and do it in turn, he's going to speak about must be done decently and in order. And that's what he says in verse 31. For you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. See, again, this is the, the goal or the aim of prophecy. It brings encouragement. It brings edification and comfort. But it also brings understanding because that's why he says all may learn. You learn something about yourself. You learn something about God's heart and God's word when someone prophesies to you. And the goal is to encourage if it doesn't encourage, it's not from the Lord. He, he doesn't, he doesn't, he's not into discouragement. That, that's, the, that's the enemy's department, is discouragement. In verse 32, and the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. And I mentioned this before. No one should ever say, I couldn't control myself. There's, I was just out of control. No, that one of the fruits of the spirit is self-control. It's, you're, you're never going to be out of control. You're going to be spirit-directed, but... Your, pro, your spirit is subject to um, yourself. You can withstand that temptation to do something that you may want to do, but the spirit's not leading. Verse 33, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. So God doesn't want us to be engaged in anything that brings confusion. So how do you know that you have it? You have the, this is important for us to understand that God will, can give us a revelation to the whole church, what the church needs to hear. But understand that you will be publicly held accountable if it's not biblical. The leader has to stand up if it's something that's not biblical and lovingly correct the person. Can't let error go on being believed. That's a responsibility of the person in charge and God works through leadership. So you're going to be held accountable. Other needs to judge. How do we judge? By the, by the word of God. By reality. I mean, God's not, a prophecy is not of God if you're saying something that doesn't even line up with the reality of the situation. And, and so if you know you have the gift of prophecy if you're hyper aware of, of God's heart and his word for other people. Like you find yourself wanting to tell people God's heart for them. And you want to help them understand something about him, something about his word, and you, and you sense that. You're with somebody, and you sense him speaking to you that this person needs to understand this about me. This person needs to understand this about my word, and, and they need to be encouraged at the moment. And this is a very, very, I believe, um, prolific or common gift. It's, I, God gives this gift to a lot of people in the body of Christ. And, it, and I think people don't understand that they have it because they don't understand how to recognize it. And that's why I'm telling you, Think of when you're around other people, you're around other believers, if you find yourself sensing God's heart towards them and God's word towards them, and it, it builds and builds and builds, it may be the gift of prophecy. And this is how you take the baby steps. You don't even have to say, Thus saith the Lord God, you know, all these things, and speaking King James English and all these things. You can just say, You know, I think God wants to encourage you today. And just say, God wants to encourage you that you're doing a great job. That you're, the, you're, you're a good mom. You're a good mother. You're a good wife. And he's pleased with what he sees in your life. He knows you're not perfect. He knows that you make mistakes. But he wants to encourage you today to go deeper into the things of him and learn what it means to be a godly mother even more. Someone may be holding on by a thread that day and needing to hear that. So that's the cost. We don't hear God's heart that he wants to communicate through our lives. We don't hear that needed word that's just perfect in the perfect timing, perfect everything if we're unwilling to step out and learn about that gift. You see what's at, it's at stake here? The body of Christ needs to hear his heart for specific situations, to be reminded of things that the Bible already clearly says. We're not going to be adding new doctrine. The, the, the faith, Jude tells us that the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints, we're not going to be adding new theology. It, it's not about that. It's reminding us what we already know about God. 
But we've forgotten, especially related to a very specific situation in our life, we've forgotten a certain promise or we've forgotten God's heart for us and how far he's brought us already. And God can, and as you start speaking, God could just start pouring out and you're just, you have to ignore that you're, you're, what you're doing in, in a sense of not being so focused on that you're speaking for God at the moment and just to encourage them and you will look up and you will see people in tears. And you will see people say, thank you for being a vessel that God could speak through. Now, obviously, all of that needs to be tested by the word. So if you have that gift, one of the ways that you can cultivate that gift and grow in that gift is study the word of God. To know it, to love it. People with the gift of prophecy love God's word. They study it. They know it. They know God's heart. They want to learn more God's heart even more. They, they love his truth. And sometimes people think, why am I spending all this time? I don't have the gift of teaching that I know of. Why am I spending all this time in God's word? Why am I loving to understand God's heart for people and see him work? It's because you have the gift of prophecy. And God wants to use you to speak in other people's lives. But it has to be biblical. So you have to know his word. You can't come up and say, you know, God wanted me to tell you that there's 12 in the Trinity, you know, and um, there's four hells. You know, and, you know, you can levitate if you say these verses the right way. And so, you know, there's, it has to be biblical. It has to be communicate God's heart. It's always going to build up. It's always going to bring comfort. Man, we need this gift functioning in the body of Christ. It doesn't take away anything from teaching or the ministry of the word in any way. It just supplements it and complements it. And it's beautiful. I pray that we all seek him related to that. It's a huge, huge cost. Lastly, the gift of discerning of spirits. All of us are not supposed to be ignorant of the enemy's devices. We're told that in Scripture. We're supposed to not fixate on them, not, you know, teach a class on Satanism. You know, we're supposed to understand, though, his tactics, that he works through discouragement. He works through all these things. He always points out the negative. He uses condemnation. He, you know, all these things. We need to be aware of that. But there is a supernatural gift that gives us the capacity to understand what's, what spirit is working in the situation. You ever been around a, a certain person or been in an environment and you just, it doesn't sit well with you. There's just something about this situation or this person. It doesn't ring true in your heart. It just seems hollow or fake or not. A, or he identifies that, that this, is a, this, this particular situation, this area of sin is being, is, is, is a, dominating this person or this this group of people or whatever and and there's no outward indication of that but you just know it we need that in the body of christ the downside and there are downsides of these gifts in the sense of how we can think we're functioning in them and we're really not but one of the downsides of this gift is judging people we're really good in our flesh of judging people and coming to conclusions about their motivations and all these things. And I have the gift of discerning a spirit, so this person is, you know, and we have to be very careful about that. We have to make sure that it's not just thoughts that come to our mind that we're thinking about. It's a sense. A lot of times people feel ill. God will actually allow them to feel ill. I've, I've talked to people that have had that, and they just get this sense. And I believe, and this is just an opinion, but it's right. No, I'm just kidding. Is that I believe every pastor has this gift to protect the flock. And there are people that come into the church and they say all the right things. And they're saying the verse is right, actually even in context. <laughs> and a, a million alarms are going off inside of me. This person, watch this person, watch this person, watch this person. I'll ask the leaders, watch this person. Just watch and just to protect. And so God knows that there's a spirit realm. We get so analytical and in our heads, we forget there's a spirit realm all around us. And we don't, we don't focus on, you know, look, seeing a demon behind every rock and all, you know, and, and like binding and all this stuff. We don't believe that, but we believe that there is a spirit realm. And God wants us to be wise as serpents and innocent as doves to know. What's, what do I do? How do I know if I have that? Because you get this sense. You can't explain it. There's no way that anybody could teach you. You just sense that there's some goofiness in this situation. You don't know what it is, and you go to prayer, and you pray. But again, all these gifts are for someone else's benefit. So there, a person may be dating somebody or something, or they're going to around this group of people, and you just it just doesn't sit well with you. And the Lord prompts you through prayer to go and tell that person, hey, 
I'm not getting a good sense about this person. I'm not getting a good sense about this group of people. Be on guard spiritually against that. Deception is, or other things could be waiting to happen. And, and so how needed is that in the body of Christ? It's very important. We need to seek him related to these things and, and cultivate that. I mean, Paul saw the demon-possessed girl and that was trying to be a PR campaign for him. You know, he eventually just cast the demon out, but he knew that what was, what was going on there. Peter knew that Simon the sorcerer was engaging with the enemy. How is Satan, you know, that you could lie to the Holy Spirit and so forth. Um, and actually, that was Ananias. You know, and he knew that. He knew what was going on in the situation supernaturally. So we have to be very, very careful. But all of these gifts, so important, so needed. I just, I really felt like the Lord wanted me to emphasize the cost that the body of Christ pays if we don't function in these particular gifts. He wants me to do that every single time we talk about these gifts. It's so important. It's not optional. How many of you, since we started this, have sought him related to spiritual gifts for the first time? A lot of hands. It's important. Don't, don't just let the word of God be snatched away. Seek him. We need all the gifts. Maybe you've never even considered some of these gifts before. Pray. I'm telling you, I've seen people for the first time say, you know what, I'm going to pray about the gift of administration. And they start praying. And, bef- and then they realize over time, I have that gift. And they start stepping out. And they've known the Lord for 25 years. So I would go through every single one of these gifts privately, quietly before the Lord and ask him about each one of these gifts. I, some of you have already discovered that you have some of these gifts and it's beautiful. Can't wait to see how God's going to use them in, in, in our body and, and outside of our body with other believers in your life. It's, it's beautiful. God's gifts are perfect. They're, they're flawless. And so he just wants us to grow. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for all these gifts. I pray for us that we would grow in all of them, Lord, and we pray that the supernatural will be represented among us. Help us to be yielded to you. Help us to be hypersensitive to your Spirit's voice related to these things. And I pray that we would see the supernatural happen in our midst more and more. Give your people boldness, Lord. I pray, Father, for anyone here that is unwilling to walk in their gift. They know that they have a certain gift and they're unwilling to, Father, I pray that you would help them to care more about your body and what they need than what other people think about them. And I pray, Lord, that you would show them that just help them to see that they are not their own. They've been bought with a price and you get to have the final say on their life. And I pray, Lord, they wouldn't bury their talent, that they would invest what you've given them into your kingdom to bear fruit. Lord, you want us to bear fruit. And I pray, Lord, that this church would bear fruit in a greater and greater way all the time, myself included. We thank you for your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.